McMullen. Welcome once again to the World Snooker Tour podcast, where my guest this week is Welshman Andrew Paget. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's a long time since you actually turned pro originally, 2008. But it was a difficult time. There weren't that many tournaments. There wasn't long to settle in. And it only lasted one season for you, first time round. Yeah, it was tough back in the day. I mean, what do we have? Eight tournaments tops, I think. It was about that, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you're just getting chucked in right at the deep end. Um, you can't really learn off playing players like that. I mean, I was able to learn a bit in the Pios things, the mm. Pontins International Open Series, where that's where I, I learned to win and, and, and learned to, about the game, really. Um, so, yeah, it was tough back then on the tour. But gradually, you just get used to it. You, found, you find your own game and um, where you're able to compete. But, uh, you know... The level that it is is tough in any sport at, at any professional level. So, uh, yeah, when we didn't have many tournaments, it was pretty tough. So relegated in 2009, but it only took you a year to get back on. And you did that by topping the Welsh rankings. Now, anyone who knows anything about the amateur scene in Wales knows that's a very hard thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it stood me in good stead just being on the professional circuit and, and watching and learning about the game. I mean, I grew up practicing with Mark Williams day in day out I basically lived with him and the family and if it wasn't for him I probably would never have been as good as as I am now Um, but you know I was just getting punished and punished every day with him Um, but then yeah when I dropped off the tour obviously I was angry I wanted to get back on it Um, I think I won all six events that year I mean I don't think anyone's ever done that Um, but yeah I just I found my feet and, and off I went um, and that was good stepping stones to get back onto the tour. And when you did come back on then, did you find you were able to cope with it a bit better this time? I can't really remember much about the early years of, of my professional career. Um, but it was all, like, my, my career has been up and down. Um, I'll be the first to admit my dedication is far from the best. Um, but I think it was massive stepping stones coming from the amateur stuff again and mm-hmm. going back onto the tour and I did I did find it hard again but you, you've got to try and find um, something in your game where you're able to compete with the big boys and um, over the years I gradually found how, how to do that Well one thing I'm sure you do remember from your early years is that the first year you got back on you actually made it to the Crucible and I just remember your face is even lighting up now. I've never seen anyone so overjoyed just to be playing at the Crucible. Yeah, I mean, if I knew what that tournament was due to bring me, because um, off the back of that, I, I've had a lot of sponsorship mm. over the years. Um, if, if I knew what, we, what it was all about, um, I would probably never go past the first round, as, as I do now. But um, no, I, I mean, that was a massive highlight of my career. Um, I mean, I took all the family up. You know, it's something that you can say that that uh, I can, you know, tell the kids and whatever, tell mm. your grandchildren. You know that that I did get to the uh, crucible, and yeah, it was huge, and I'd love to get back. But um, I mean, it's a, it's hard these days. It's hard. Do you remember much about the match itself? Because you played Jamie Cope, who had been in a couple of ranking finals, was a top 16 player at the time, and you gave him a very good contest, 10-7. It finished. Yeah, I mean. At that time, I was playing some really good stuff. Uh, I do remember that I should have gone 5-2 up, uh, Mr. Green, to go 
5-2 in front and that would have meant the first session I was actually leading whereas it ended up I was 5-4 down um, so it was a massive point, turning point in the game just at the early, at the early start of the match um, but no I thoroughly enjoyed it I mean I felt great out there and a couple of things happened towards the end um, that we couldn't foreseen but uh, so be it and, and but I, you know I shook his hand and congratulated him and you know, it's a shame to see that him not but not on the tour now. Mm. Um, obviously, he struggled with queuing and, and bits and bobs through his career. But um, no, it was for me. It was a uh, that was probably one of the biggest highlights of of my career. Disappointing then that just a year later you found yourself back off the tour again. So it must have been really frustrating that you couldn't really get any momentum and get a number of years back to back to really build that experience. Like I say, it's 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 more with me with dedication. I mean, all everyone around the valley will tell you I'm one of the most talent, you know, talented, gifted players, talented, gifted players to to even <coughs> pick the queue up, um, and it's all natural with me. But um, still, you've got to dedicate it, and uh, that's something I wouldn't change anything really over my career. But uh, that's something where I think if I'd put the time in, uh, my career would have been hell of a lot better and why did you not put the time in Andrew um, I mean uh, I got two daughters I didn't like being away all the time um, I w- I'd rather spend a bit of time with them it was it was just bits of everything really um, and I fell out of love with the game really because the travelling it's a lonely sport I mean you're on your own you're up and down the motorway you're in airports you're in hotel rooms and it can it can get on top of you, and and you do fall out out of love with the game and 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 fall in love with the game. It's in your blood, but mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's um, any professional sport is is hard. And sometimes I'd rather step back away from the table just to make sure that I'm okay in personal life, you know. Because at the end of the day, it's just a game. It's just a game of snooker. Have there been times when you've not been okay? When it's all become too much for you? It have been. Yeah, there's, there's many dark days. Um, but you know, I'm one of them. I just bottle it up and and just crack on with it. You know, I don't uh, tend to get other people involved with it. But um, if anything, my wife knows everything about that now. But um, no, you know, they are they are hard hard days. Mm. Um, but I'm happy go lucky guy, and my pint is always half full. You know, it's never half empty, and uh, so I just crack on with life and and. And make sure that I'm okay and and treat this as as a hobby rather than a, a job. You know, you're talking about your two kids there, and people might listen to that and say, "Well, other people have kids and they have to go to work every day." But that's the difference; they have to. No one's going to make you practice. No, they're not. And um, back back in the, the earlier years of, of starting out, I mean, that's Mark Williams would ring me, you know, ten o'clock, half nine, ten in the morning, get me out of bed, mm. get me to the club. Um, so he did push me a, a long way. Um, but yes, uh, you know it is what it is, and I just take take it as 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 lightly as I can, really, and and, and try and do things outside of of snooker to try and occupy my mind else. What what sort of things do you do outside of the game? Well, now I got uh, two businesses. Oh right. Uh, yeah, so um, they're like uh, small kind of poundland kind of things. Um, oh, dis- so discount shops. Discount shops. Yeah, okay. yeah. And where are they? Are they near where you yeah, live? Yeah, so. Uh, uh, we recently just opened a new one 
five months ago in Blackwood Town Centre, oh, right, right in the High Street, and uh, I've got one in Aberdeen, Aberdeen Town that I've had for maybe I think for sixteen years now. So um, it's all like a family-run business. So, mm-hmm. um, but that keeps me well occupied, um, and obviously I, I created a, a new ball cleaning solution called Pro Ball Shine. And, and I got my own tip range out, AP Exotic Tips. So uh, I got lots of things keep me busy now. Yeah. Well, let's talk again just about the earlier years. As I said, you dropped off the tour again, but got back on. You were playing in the PTCs, and you did really well in one in Belgium. And you beat some very good players. You beat Stuart Bingham. You beat Neil Robertson. You got to the semi-finals and played Mark Allen. So you showed in moments like that that you really do have the ability there, and you managed to string it together for a week. It is. I mean... Look, I know when I'm on, it's all about my head. If my if my head's clear and I'm I'm focused, uh, you know I take some beating. Um, I, I've played the best and I've beaten them and and lost to them, but I'm just one that, yeah. I, I need to be all the everything needs to click into place, mm. and if it does, then then I can go on a bit of a run. And do you feel, Andrew, that you know going into a match whether it is going to click into place? Do you c- can you trace your results and relate them to how you felt going into it? Are there days when you just know it's not going to happen for you, and then maybe other days when you feel good and, and you go out and play well? Yeah, I've tried. I mean, you try and do do things certain ways, whether you wear your lucky pants or your lucky socks or something. It's all psychology, and and uh, I try to remember the right things when I have a run. In a, in a tournament, remember the right things, what I'd done right or, or what mm. I'd done that day. Um, but like I said, I don't really look into things like that. Um, I just turn up and, and hope it all comes together at that point. And one day that it really did come together was actually your very first match back on the tour. You beat Mark Selby. Now, that's got to be one that you remember because your head's certainly got to be in the right place to beat him. Any recollections of that? Yeah, well, just after the game, I actually... I shook his hand and I said, thank you for buying me, buying me the holiday to Tenerife this week. <laughs> <laughs> How did he take that? No, he laughed it, and, we, and we still have a laugh about it now. So, uh, yeah, that was great. He actually paid for the holiday for, for, for me and the, the, the missus at the time. So, yeah. yeah. Please tell me you sent him a postcard to really rub it in. <laughs> no, I tell you. It was, uh, yeah, it was great. It was fair play. But it was the same old story again, Andrew. You couldn't stay on the tour. You got relegated in 2015. And this time you were away for five years. Now, during that time, did you think that was it? You were done with the professional game? Or did you still have hopes of getting back on? No, so basically I, I did say that I'd finished and I'd retired. And, and you know, I'd done what I wanted in my career. I'd earned some decent money, put it into a business. And the business was taking over. It was getting busier and busier. And um, I just thought that's when I fell out of love with the game for for good, really. Um, and I just needed that time away be, away from it all. Um, I mean, you can't plan your life in in snooker. You, you, and those five years, I was able to plan holidays, uh, plan things that I, you know, six months in advance or something. And you literally can't do that now. If I need to go on an holiday, like say I, I've got to go on a stag or something like that. I'm always the last one to book on because obviously snooker's involved and you don't know if you're going to win your qualifying match or you just don't know, you can't plan anything. So um, those five years were the best five years of my life. <laughs> so what brought you back to the game then? If you were having such a good time, why did you return to playing? Yeah, 
I mean, for one, it's in your blood. It'll, you just can't get away from the sport. And where the Barry Earn had uh, just taken over, well, I don't think just taken over, but a few years before he'd taken over and the prize money level went through the roof. I think we was uh, nearly topping 15 mil or something like 17 mil uh, prize money in a season. And you thought, I want some of that? Well, I was looking at people winning and I was thinking, well, I've never lost to them. Why can't, why can't I get back on and, and be part of that again? Um, was Mark's revival around that time part of it as well, when you saw him doing well again? Yeah, so yeah, he, he, he um, dropped down the rankings. Um, we was both together. We weren't really practising. We'd go to the club, but, I mean, we'd get there for 10. We'd finish at 12. We'd go up to the, the local pub, have a game of cards with the, with the locals, and um, we didn't dedicate ourselves to it. But, um, yeah, I mean, seeing him doing well is great, and I, and I love to see any Welshman do well. Um, but on a personal thing, I wanted to try and fall in, fall in love with the game again. Mm. And I did for, for a good few years. But what was it that made that happen? Was there something that inspired you to love it again? I mean, I changed clubs. Um, I was always with Mark Williams, and then obviously Jackson Page... Mm. coming up and and it was tough if I wanted to practice on my own for an hour or two I couldn't really do it through the day because Mark was there and Jackson was there so I thought it's time to move and I, I moved to um, Dara Morgan's club and uh, there wasn't a resident professional there at the time uh, Darren bought me a star table and, um, and and off I went from there and I started really enjoying the game again and you won the European Amateur Championship in 2020 that must have felt incredible after having been a pro so many years earlier and been on and off the tour to find yourself back winning a big international event like that yeah well those couple of years that I had off I I entered a couple of good amateur events where I lost in the final of the the world amateur Mm. in uh, Qatar and that uh, made me I was able then to go to a a thing called the Q Slam in India Mm. uh, where, where our team won it I was one of the icon players and uh, we actually won the tournament um, so yeah I started to enjoy it all again and then uh, went to the Europeans and, um, and managed to win it Were you surprised by that? Not really I, I mean my game was good again then I was putting the time in I was putting you know six hours a day in six days a week and I, I knew where my game was at and I think they had betting on it and I was massive favourite to even win the event so I knew in myself how good I was playing again so it was no surprise uh, of me getting that trophy So it earned you the right to come back onto the tour but then you had to defer it because you had what certainly sounded like a vicious illness, was that something that had been there for a long time or did it come on suddenly? Well no, it's a, it's a illness called diverticulitis mm. um, it's part of the Crohn's disease but it's a lot worse than Crohn's so basically uh, it's all down to your these little pockets in your intestine that um, that food can get uh, caught up in, and certainly like red meats, like steaks and or, or nuts or, or something that doesn't digest. And if it gets into one of those pockets, then it, over a, a long space of time, over years and years, it can deteriorate it. And it happened to do it one night where it, it popped an hole in my bowel. So I, we was there one night, and I, I felt this little pain I was like what is that um, and all of a sudden I'm rushed into hospital and, and the, the doctor says well how are you 
how you decided to come in like this is uh, ironic, but if you didn't, then uh, by the morning you'd have been gone because obviously all the stuff was coming out inside me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, that was a, a day I don't want to remember, to be honest. So is all that cleared up now, or is it something that lingers? Yeah, so what happened? They, um, they wanted to operate straight away and give me one of those uh, colostomy bags, mm-hmm. but I said, look, Doc, I said, is there other, another way around this? Because obviously it's a, it gets in the way, obviously. And I and he said, well, because I was so, so young, they tried to heal it. So they did heal it within a couple of weeks. Um, so at the time, I think I was about 11 and a half stone. Um, and then within four weeks, I dropped to eight stone um, because they were treating me for this. Uh, and, and it healed my bowel. So the doctor said, go away and, and, and uh, see how it is. Two weeks later, it popped another hole in the bowel the other side. And then he said, right, we're going to have to operate. There's no doubt about it. And he said, because we know that they healed the first time, we can heal it again and get it as good as possible, and then we'll operate. And two weeks later, then they had an operation where they, they cut me open and uh, took, took uh, 10 inches of my bowel away and put it all back together, and the 10 inches that was diseased. And uh, and put it all back together, and uh, and yeah, and then, and then obviously the, the the recovery process began. It's just mind blowing what they can do with surgery, isn't it? So w- when you went through that recovery process, then Andrew, is that it done now, or is it something you still have to keep an eye on? Yeah, so my diet has ma- I've changed massively. Mm. Um, no red meats, uh, basically nothing that uh, that you can't digest. So I stick to chicken, you know, white meats, fish. Um, You've got to stay away from fatty foods, from burgers and stuff. I might, I might treat myself once a week or something. To well, don't go out with Mark Williams then. Oh no, yeah. definitely. And yeah. that's, I think that's what was caused it all. To be honest, all the kebabs we had all all our life, and I mean, traveling on the road all the time, fast food is the easiest. It's thing. It's impossible to eat healthily, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, and it, fast mm-hmm. food is the easiest thing to do. But um, no, I have still got to be careful. And I know if if um, if I do eat something, uh, maybe a a curry or something that's a tiny bit spicy that affects it and then I have a flare up where my temperature will go into the 40s um, it'll last about 48 hours uh, when I'm you know being sick and all but um, yeah so I try to stay away from the things it's still trial and error but I try and stay away from the things that I know that causes it so you were able to defer your place on the tour for a year then and you started out at the beginning of last season with a new two year card and very early on then, you got through a couple of rounds and reached the last 32 of the British Open, which was a nice thing to achieve, big tournament on ITV. And did that give you feelings that, yeah, it's good to be back and I'm glad I made the effort to get my place back on the tour? Um, yeah, but my game wasn't where it was the, the 18 months before. I just after winning that uh, European, mm. my game was in good shape and then I was due to go straight on the tour and I knew it was in good shape. When you have 18 months off, uh, losing all that weight, um, trying to recover. I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk around the table for half an hour. So very little practice then. You, you'd was, hardly played in all no, that time. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. Um, I was. I, you know, I was bed bound for for months, um, and then, and then, even going back to practice. I mean, my legs were so frail, and I, I couldn't. I couldn't do my six hours. I was out of breath. I couldn't do it. But gradually, you know, I'd do half hour, and then I'd do forty minutes, and then. Over the space of six months to twelve months, it got better, and, and now I'm able to do uh, 
you know, I can do my six hours now if uh, if I want to do it. And do you do six hours, Andrew? No. Does that ever happen? No, I mean, uh, I mean, it, I got to push myself to do that now. Um, I mean, the last couple of weeks, I'd say I've probably play, played maybe three or four times. You know, so I haven't really put the hours in again. Let's come to the quick fire round now. Favorite movie? Um, gone in sixty seconds. Best holiday you've ever been on? Uh, that was recently, actually. In um, I mean, my wife got married in Cyprus, thirtieth uh, of May. Uh, so just it, just this year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just, congratulations. Just, just gone. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we got, we got married in Cyprus. Two weeks holiday, all inclusive, and uh, it was awesome. It was uh, like paradise. Favorite music? Um. Oh, do you know what? I've been listening to the eighties a lot lately? Hard, oh, you can't beat the eighties. Hard eighties, uh, yeah. yeah, brilliant. <laughs> that certainly made my drive up to Scotland a lot, uh, a lot easier. Listening to the eighties all the way. Can you pick out one eighty song that stands out for you? Um, well, I like I like Queen. You okay. know, anything to do yeah. with Queen is uh, yeah, anything like that. Favorite thing about Wales? Um, I mean. I'm just. I am a proud Welshman. Um, I do. I, I love. I love the place. People, you know. I, I say to my wife. She say, "Would you ever move out of Wales or anything like that?" And I never would. I, you know. I'm. I love the valleys. I love being part of Wales. Um, it's a special place to me, and uh, I'd never. I, I would never move. And players you'd go on a night out with. What snooker players? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> They're all boring. Um, oh, I don't know. I like. I mean, Matthew Stevens. We've had many a night. Out. Everyone says Matthew. Yeah. yeah, and I know why. Yeah, yeah. me, me and Matthew land. had a many a night night out. I, mean, I remember when we did actually when I qualified for the Crucible that year. Um, he, he was back in the hotel and he had a bottle of champagne waiting for me um, to, to to congratulate me and. Um, yeah, we had a great night that night. That story just sums him up, doesn't it? He's just he's got that great sort of generosity of spirit about him and yeah. loves to see other people doing well. Yeah, he's yeah. a great guy. He's yeah. a great guy. Let's talk about Mark Williams. You've mentioned so much about him there, and I was interested to hear you saying you lived with his family mm. for a while. So how did that come about? He actually got banned from driving, and he, he just moved to Cardiff. Where he had, He'd done his few years in Cardiff, living the life, and... Um, uh, he had no one to pick him up basically and take him to the club <laughs> <laughs> so it was easier for me to just basically go down and stay at the house yeah. and it ended up that, uh, that I, I kind of lived there with them um, for, for a good 12 months just with Joe and the kids you yeah, were yeah yeah Joe um, Connor and Kean was born at the time then and uh, yeah tell me this is he as laid back at home as he is on the table and around the venues he is yeah Definitely, without a shadow of doubt. Um, what you see with Mark is what you get. Yeah. Um, he doesn't. There's no hidden things really. So yeah, he is. He is laid back. He does care about things. Mind you know, he he won't show it. But mm. I, some, I, I've known him for so long that uh, I can see in in his mannerisms that uh, some things do affect him. You know, but uh, in you know 99% of the time, he's he is what he is. Mm. He is very laid back guy. You talked there about needing to push yourself to become more dedicated. Is there anybody else in the background trying to push you? Does your wife say, come on, let's try and make one last push now, you're in your 40s, and maybe work a bit harder for a few years? Well, I mean, since I moved to the, to Darren's club, he's helped me massively. I mean, if it wasn't for him now, so obviously if it wasn't for Mark 
growing up, I wouldn't have been as good as I, as I am. But if it wasn't for Darren Morgan now, uh, over the last, I think I've probably been there eight years, maybe or, or a bit more. If it wasn't for him and his family, you know, he, he's like a second dad to me now. And basically, if it wasn't for him, you know, he does push me. You know, we we got a lot of banter between us, but he does push me, and I know he wants me to do well. Um, so I, I do take it on board, but I have got a busy life. Mm. I mean, the businesses and and all the other stuff I got on the side. It is hard to to put the time in. Um, but suppose, just in theory, all that was cleared for a year. Someone else said, "Right, I'm going to run the business for you for a year," and your wife said, "I'll look after the kids." I know you still want to spend time with them as well, of course. And you were able to do that even for one or two years and put in the dedication every day. How good do you think you could get? Oh, I'm definitely. I'm. It's a million percent that I'm. I'm a top thirty-two at least. That. Um, you know, when I was playing some good stuff, I was. I wasn't just beating the top boys. I was. Be- I was hammering them. You know. So, uh, you know, well, Robertson was world number one. Yeah, I beat him. Selby was world number one, beat him. So I was beating all the boys playing the best snooker at the time. Um, and that was when I did dedicate a few years to to it. Uh, look, it is hard. You need to put so much effort in and so much time. And it can drag you down. It, it can get to you. And as you've seen lately with the likes of Selby, you know, it got on top of him for mm, for a good sure. few months, and I hope he's uh, he's out the other side now. But um, it can get you. You know, I've even gone to see psychologists and bits and bobs to try and to try and focus on something else. And what have they said to you, Andrew? Um, I mean, they give me a lot of books to read and and, and old audios and and stuff. And what's the message of those things? It's what, what are they trying to instill in you? Yeah, it's, it's get, trying to get all the negative negative thoughts out of your head and, and, and be positive. I mean, one of the best audios I listened to was... Um, uh, oh, what's, the, what's it called? That's with the monkey. You probably... Steve Peters. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, your inner chimp. Yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that, I mean, that was one of the best things that I have listened to lately. And it, it does give you some sort of... Uh, it, it takes the negativity out of your, out of your mind. Um, but then it's easy, it's easy enough done when you're on a bad run to get the negative thoughts back again, you know? Sure, it becomes a vicious cycle, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Huge, yeah. And I'm fascinated to hear you talking about all your businesses. And I often find with people who have that entrepreneurial spirit, it's something that's been in them all their life and it's something they always had in their head that they'd like to run their own business. Was that how it was for you? Well, uh, my, my father brought me into it all, really, because um, he was manager of uh, all the Asdas in the country. Uh, oh, right. He retired at an early age. My uncle went into hool sailing, and my father had a, a, a little shop going. Um, so he kind of set me down that path. Um, and now they say I'm like a, like a Dell boy. <laughs> I sell mm-hmm. Santa there, you know, you know, as it goes. But, um, yeah, so I, I enjoy it. You know, I, I, I enjoy being front of it especially with a new shop now where, where the, the customers see the owner and I'm, I'm very well known in the, in the local town um, so they do like to come and see me certain people and whatnot. and uh, yeah so I do actually enjoy being in the shop and uh, front of the counter Well one thing you certainly seem to have right you've got a well rounded life you've got your family you've got your businesses and you're playing snooker as well and it's been really interesting talking to you about it all and we wish you all the best with whatever lies ahead thanks for joining us on the World Snooker Tour podcast Lovely, thank you
Next time, it's Yorkshireman David Grace, including memories of his very unexpected appearance in a UK Championship semi-final. By the time I'd won the quarter-final, it was probably midnight, and then I, w- I was on again at one o'clock the next day. It's, it's not much of a turnaround as well, and obviously you just can't get to sleep or, or anything. So, the, the, yeah, that that was all new to me, and it just it just never happened for me in the semis. It just mm. I just never never really turned up, and obviously there was there was a lot riding on it. It, it got almost embarrassing by the end how bad, how bad the standard was. But uh, what can you do? You've just got to stick in there. And if if I'd have got the win, I wouldn't you know it wouldn't have mattered. So that's coming up next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast. And don't forget our bonus content, the one four seven, rounding up the week's snooker headlines in one hundred and forty seven seconds, out every Tuesday and available to download at wst.tv. Until next time, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.